0: All right, here we go. Quiet! Quiet! Roll up!
1: Happy holidays, everyone, from the Big Picture Podcast, where we take a look at the latest movie news, the films of today and yesterday, and we put them all into some sort of context. Seated across the microphone from me is our Santa Claus giving every bit of news on the airwaves. It's Rich (laughs) Drees.
0: And seated across the microphone from me is our contributing elf, Natasha Bogutsky. (laughs) How you doing? Uh, Have you recovered from your holiday party this past weekend? No. Okay.
1: (laughs) I'm still knackered from it. I'm exhausted. I, I know.
0: You took the day off today.
1: And, and yesterday as mm-hmm. well, and yeah, the, as we are sitting here on a, a brisk, cool December Monday evening. Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, it, it <laughs> was a great time, though. It was a wonderful party. Thank um, you. Yes. And um, a lot of fun things happening. You just came from the movies. You were very excited about something I've been telling you to go see.
1: Wonka? Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs>
0: Wonka still opens in a couple of days.
1: It's already out.
0: Oh, oh, that's right. I'm sorry. i've lost I have lost track of so many release dates right now because I just get the spent, screeners. <laughs> I spent like the last three weeks not only cramming for what's going to be our main review discussion, mm-hmm. uh, Netflix is the Crown, but I also had the uh, Philadelphia film Critics Circle voting for best of the year. Which we just, you know, we did our nominations and then we did our final voting and we announced them just uh, yesterday, this past Sunday.
1: So what you're saying is most of January you're in a coma.
0: I'm hoping. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. uh, uh, Yeah, because I'm pretty much caught up. There's like one or two things that I knew weren't going to be vital to see Mm -hmm. for voting. Looking at you, Aquaman. Sorry. That I'll go out and catch. And, you know. No, I'm right there with you. uh, And I'll probably go out and see a few things again on a big screen versus seeing them, you know, at home Mm -hmm. on my, you know, admittedly 40 inch TV. But. You know, going to see something like Poor Things or going, I definitely want to try to get to see Godzilla again.
1: I want to see Poor Things on mm-hmm. the on the big screen so bad. I think the <laughs> surrealistic aspect of what we've yes. been seeing in the trailers is going to look visually oh, stunning yes. on a big screen. Well,
0: Poor Things was the Philadelphia Film Critics Circle's choice for best film of 2023.
1: I told people, keep your eye on this one. And um <laughs> I think this might Lanthimos.
0: Yorgos Lanthimos. Yorgos Lanthimos got our Best Director Award. Um, Emma Stone. Best Actress. F- Best Actress. And um, I believe it was Best Script also. So it took fo- home four awards. Uh, Oppenheimer took home four or five, uh, including Best Actor for Cillian Murphy, um, Runner Up for uh, Director Chris Nolan, um, and a few other things. Uh, Best Cinematography as well. And um, surprisingly, um, we had an overlap with one movie in two categories that kind of surprised me, but I was very happy about.
1: The Boy and the Heron.
0: The Boy and the Heron took um, Best Animated Film and Best Foreign Language Film. It's Hayao Miyazaki's latest film. It is a masterpiece because it's a Miyazaki film. The guy has not produced a dud yet. He keeps saying-
1: Yes, he- yeah, I did. What? The one that we saw down near Philly was it Mary and the the witch's broom or something? Oh she no,
0: that wasn't that was I think that was Studio Ghibli, but he didn't direct that. Oh, that was okay. somebody else at Studio Ghibli. Okay. Yeah. I re- oh God, i forgot about that movie. But
1: um,
0: yeah, it's... <laughs>
1: that right there is your proof. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fair enough, uh, but yeah, i I mean, he keeps saying, this is going to be my last film. He said that about The Wind Rises, which came out before this. Um, I made a joke with love in my heart that Miyazaki, you know, has more last films than The Rolling Stone had Farewell Tours. So
1: So he's, yeah. He's going to keep making
0: movies until... Probably he drops over on top of his drafting board, and that will make me very sad. I will probably cry my eyes out, uh but I will be very happy about all of the wonderful stuff he gave us,
1: yeah, I mean he I feel that he looks at filmmaking as a duty a duty to other people to deliver these wonderful stories. Kind of in the way that our our main topic, uh, the Queen, Mm -hmm. sees her her lifelong...
0: Interesting way to loop there. I mean, we're not... (laughs) I
1: wasn't looping, but I I I mean, We're not
0: quite segueing yet, but... Not yet,
1: but that was a good one.
0: (laughs) I liked it. Uh, Yeah, very much so. Um, Light News Week, we're going into the holidays. A lot of productions have shut down like this past week as they go off on their mandated breaks, you know, so soon after they started back up. Which is kind of weird, but you know, at least they got a couple of weeks in of shooting. Hopefully, I after saw th- all the strikes ended,
1: I saw that the final season of Stranger Things is getting ready to start uh, production in January. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was actually a a name of character, uh, like a, a list of character names, that uh, was released the other day, and I was very interested to see that one was blacked out.
0: It's always fun when they do that, isn't it? <laughs>
1: well, the name that wasn't on the list was Max, the the redheaded girl played by the awesome, and I, I say this wholeheartedly, awesome Sadie Sink in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone is probably guessing that's what it is. And I'm over here going, yeah, no, that doesn't seem right. They probably just didn't put her name on the list mm-hmm. in order to make it look like that's the one that's blacked out. Uh,
0: that sounds like a plot within a plot, but... um,
1: Well, her character is kind of in a coma right now and on the brink of death to begin with, so I wouldn't be surprised if uh, she maybe attached to something else, was not able to make it back, and they decided, okay, well, we can wrap up the storyline. We need you for one day.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. okay.
0: Yeah. Guaranteed not much dialogue to learn either. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, another Netflix show that is actually in the news today mm-hmm. is um, Wednesday, which started up its uh, production and just kind of mm-hmm. shut down again. Uh, there's news coming out that Netflix is developing a spinoff show featuring Fred Armisen as Uncle Fester
1: i'm down for that 100 <laughs> percent. oh me too i absolutely seal of approval right now give it to me i want it it's fred armison and he was fantastic as fester i know he was only in one episode for like probably a third of the yeah, episode 15, but
0: 20 minutes and he stole
1: it I, I, yeah which is why i'm like Give me, give me, give me, give me.
0: Give me straight into the vein. (laughs) Uh, Um,
1: Which, honest, it makes complete sense that the second season of Wednesday is starting up as uh, production on Beetlejuice 2. Under Tim Burton. It's winding down. No, it it, it
0: has wound up. Yeah,
1: production ended a couple weeks ago. So now that's in post. And now mm-hmm. you can turn, he can turn his attentions and grab Jenna and say, Okay, so you, you finished Beetlejuice. Now here we go. Let's go. Wednesday again.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Oy, that poor girl working herself silly, but. Well, good she's honor. out of
1: scream, so she's got a little more time <laughs> on her hands. That's
0: unfortunately true, yes.
1: Yeah. Honest, I don't think. Uh, it doesn't need another film. I thoroughly enjoyed the last two Scream films with her and Melissa Barrera. I I am sorry to see that uh, because of politics and schedules and, and such, both of those lovely actresses um, will not be returning to the next Scream film. Which probably means that it's either going to be postponed for a very long time or they're just going to say... Well, this is the we're 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 done with this iteration. We'll put it on hold for another few years and then reboot it again, some way, shape, or form.
0: Oh, most likely. Yeah. Um. And that's probably for the best. I mean, they were trying to make a trilogy of films focusing on those two characters, you know, the sisters. And you can't
1: do it without the sisters. Yeah,
0: it doesn't make sense to suddenly kind of pivot at Mm -hmm. this point. I think they do kind of have a good ending. Where it ends,
1: mm-hmm. and you caught you caught Scream.
0: yeah something? yeah, I finally did. Oh, what, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> I've seen a lot of stuff recently, and I, you know, I can't. I'm. I apologize I've been wanting for not to updating. talk to you
1: about that so much. Okay, I didn't even know that you had seen it.
0: Yeah. Uh, it was good. 20, 30 movies ago. but it's, So it's a little hazy. And a 50 hour TV series that I just binged over the last two weeks.
1: Yeah, honest, I give you a lot of credit on that because, honest, I didn't you think you did, were going to make you it.
0: Did not, I, you did didn't. not expect me to get all of my um, film you critic circle screening done as well as watching all of five You seasons couldn't of the Crown get that I was through
1: Mrs. Maisel in time. And Mrs. Mazel was actually, I think, shorter.
0: It may have been, but yeah, but I learned from that lesson and <laughs> and i did i was it was just you know plowing finish work at five o'clock, and since if I was working at home, my computer desk is a three foot walk to the couch, and I would plop on the couch by five fifteen and I would watch like a half a season's worth of The <laughs> Crown and then go oh it's midnight I'm going to bed <laughs> so
1: well actually uh, before we even get into that okay. even it feels like we keep naturally segwaying into know it t- and then we're like uh, we're, we're gonna tease and now we're gonna pull right back yes. alright so is- we're gonna pull back one more time and talk about some of the other television that we've been catching up with over like the, the last couple of months and particularly in the last month Rich what's been what have you been doing on the television side? I, we haven't done we haven't done a television I know. centric well, episode in a very long
0: while. True, true. And honestly, outside of oh, I know what, literally as I was waiting for you to come over, I um, sat down and I watched the last episode of Archer. It just dropped a Aww. couple of days ago uh, into the cold and I'm a little sad. Honestly, I've loved Archer since you know somebody it had been out for a couple the first season had started and been on for a couple of weeks and somebody was like uh you need to be watching this <laughs> and i was like okay and i was like oh my god i love this show <laughs> and um yeah it's 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 done it's over it it had a rousing finish lots of surprises uh in it in that final it, it's almost like an hour and a half or it's well they took three like regular half hour episodes mm-hmm. so take out commercials it's probably an hour and 10 minutes at tops this,
1: this year has been this year has been an, an era of endings mm-hmm. we had um i know on my side we had mrs mazel uh we had succession uh we have now the crown you mm-hmm. had archer um it, it's it's been oh, a rough year in yeah. terms of watching what
0: some solid, solid good dramas. <laughs>
1: goodbye to yeah, us. Yeah,
0: <laughs> so say goodbye to these uh, characters. Um, in the meantime, though... Uh, I,
1: I was catching up with um, the Gilded Age. So, uh, season started two... started the season two, yeah. Yeah. And uh, last night was the season finale, which was really good. Okay. Um, that being said, it does look like they started to wrap up some of the storylines that have been percolating since the beginning. Uh, if HBO decides they don't want to pick it up for the third season, almost every,
0: do you you feel you have a satisfactory ending? I do. I do.
1: I actually do feel like I have a satisfactory ending because there's either storylines that have been completely wrapped up or have been wrapped up with the idea that there is hope for love and happiness and success in the future Mm -hmm. for our characters. There's the opportunity. Um, so I saw something the other day. They're still waiting to see if they're renewed, but... Uh, well, Fingers we'll
0: crossed for them. Yep. Uh, oh, two th- other series that I've been... Actually, mm-hmm. three other series that I've been keeping up with. Um, Quantum Leap. Uh, mm-hmm. It's in its second season now, the rebooted well, kind of extension of the original series from the 90s. It is a sequel series, although it's not much about Finding Sam anymore. Um, I've enjoyed what they've been doing this year. Um, as Ben has been leaping, there's been three episodes where he leaps and the same and he meets the same person from, you know previously. And at you know, in the first episode, she's a waitress and he kind of inspires her to go to college. Then a couple of episodes later, he leaps into somebody who's on that college campus. and he m- meets her again. And he gets to see how she's kind of grown a bit and he basically confesses, look, this is going to sound crazy, but I'm a time traveler and I jump in and out of people.
1: We do love our time travel
0: shows, don't we? Yes, we do. (laughs) Um, And then finally, just this past week, he leapt again into somebody where she was nearby and she actively helps on his leap because she knows what is going on with him. And it's been a fun little uh, thread through this first half of the second season I have no idea if they're going to continue it or not. Um, This episode, episode eight, was the last that they had produced and shot and had all ready to go before the uh, strike actions happened this summer. Mm. They had actually started production on season two back on Valentine's Day because NBC gave them an early pickup and had them start work already. So... They had something for the fall because probably knew things were going to go sideways. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I've been enjoying that. (laughs) And um, I've also been enjoying Monarch Legacy of Monsters on Apple Plus.
1: And we're back to Godzilla. Back to Godzilla, yeah.
0: Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell playing the same character in two different time periods. And they're really good. Uh, well, I would, I would hope and son, so. They're father and son, so the, you, you know the the <laughs> they f- can visual, pick the facial look is going to be similar.
1: Well, the visual, but they, the, you know, you, you grow up with the person, you know how to emulate their tics and quirks really mm-hmm. easily. Well,
0: I mean, they're acting a different character. They're not playing Kurt Russell at two different times in his life. Oh
1: Well, of course, but I mean, <laughs> you can still look at someone and say, so what are you going to carry? Oh, I was thinking of doing this. Oh, I've seen you do that before. Okay, I, I piece of cake. <laughs>
0: also on Apple Plus for all mankind, season four. Mm-hmm. They've got the Mars colony. There's some uh, politics going on. Asteroid capture, which could bring mineral wealth to the to the world in the terms of trillions of dollars, and it's it's just fun alternate history and speculative science fiction, which always has a core grain of hope in the middle of it that says you know we can get our shit together we can establish a colony uh on the moon we can establish a colony on Mars we can do these things and really in the timeline of the show they're only in 2004 so they're like 19 years behind us and they've got a Mars colony and at best we had oppie on mars you know the mars rover opportunity and it, it kind of bums me out when i think about it. i mean i watch the show and i'm like this is so good it's so well written it's so smart it's you know ronald d moore is the executive producer who also did outlander oh we're not Battles... talking
1: outlander right now because i'll start crying
0: oh okay never mind uh no also the... Battlestar galactica
1: no we can two, talk really we well written
0: shows and for him to be overseeing this as well you know mm-hmm. you know it's quality.
1: Oh yeah, and, absolutely.
0: And it just kind of bums me out though. I'm like, this is really good, but damn it, if we could be doing this in real life. <laughs> you know, it's it's po- it would have been possible if, you know, different choices were made Spe- and we could still make better choices towards that.
1: Well, speaking of time travel and Outlander. Outlander,
0: yes. <laughs> I just
1: saw uh the other day that the final season is getting ready to go into po- into production as uh Sam Heughan posted a Photo was it a photo or a video? I think it might have been a little video on Instagram mm-hmm. where he was taking us through the costume closet. Ah. Um, as they prep, and it's lined wall to wall with uniforms.
0: <laughs> oh, I imagine so.
1: So, red coats
0: or both,
1: we're heading towards the Revolutionary War now. Oh, cool, cool. for its idol am... season.
0: You know me. I'm very behind on that show. I um, actually I had problems did get with caught that, up. that. Again, you know i I don't respond well to sexual violence.
1: Which one was
0: it? The that season ender.
1: Oh, with Claire. Yeah. a couple of seasons ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I just
0: I'm like, I know I can go back to this, and it's they'll probably have to reference it, but I sh- you know, and I'm I'm still kind of like
1: uh, this that is was not, rough this for is, a lot of people. Yeah. I thought oh, I it was. I thought it was handled very well by the idea of going inside of her head as she was disassociating from everything, mm-hmm. and she was creating this mm-hmm. alternate world. And to but be honest, I mean, we, it was this rough. is the
0: discussion we had when we reviewed
1: mm-hmm. that
0: one season of Highlander several years back. Highlander, <laughs> uh, Outlander. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, wrong Scottish. Yes,
1: <laughs> we've done that before. Wrong
0: Scotsman. Whoops. <laughs> um.
1: Well, there can only be one. <laughs>
0: One Outlander and, of course, one Highlander because there were no Highlander sequels. There were no Highlander spinoffs. It was only that one movie because that's all you need and everything else would have been <laughs> superfluous and dumb.
1: <laughs> I like that one. Thank you. Um, uh, but, no, we're, but, we're heading into that. So that's, that's something I'm going to have to mentally prepare for next year as an ending.
0: Okay. But, oh boy.
1: Yeah, you know well, how bad I'll be on well, that. Well,
0: speaking of time travel, speaking of Outlander, speaking of a character named Jamie – and a show that will never end. We had the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who, too, a couple of, you know, over this past couple of weeks where we watched um, three wonderful specials with Matt's, um, with David Tennant, excuse me. And you're looking at me like, what, Jamie? Remember, Jamie on Outlander is named after the second Doctor's companion,
1: oh, Jamie? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fraser.
0: Yes. That's I,
1: right. forgot about that. <laughs> Uh
0: that's it. I have to cut a corner off your nerd membership card. It's now.
1: been a while. Oh wow. <laughs> I could still walk through fire on some things that you wouldn't touch.
0: That's true. <laughs> that is true.
1: Okay then. But yeah, no, you're you're right. And oh my god, what a few couple of episodes that we got for the 60th. I've always
0: said the biggest tragedy in the new who era has been what happens to donna noble she starts off brash and abrasive and just kind of not a great person and then through and when, her travels, because
1: that's because she has no confidence in herself
0: mm-hmm. and through her travels with the doctor she learns things she learns compassion she gets confidence in herself and
1: she opens herself up to the world yes. that she's kind of closed off from
0: and she becomes just an amazing person and that's even before we get into the whole Dr. Donna thing in the final episode of that season. Mm-hmm. And, but that's what triggers the doctor having to basically wipe her mind, which, you know, you are the sum of your experiences. So if he makes her forget all of that, then that it kind of undoes – that kind of undoes, excuse me, uh, all of, you know, all of that growth she had. And you kind of see that at the end of, And it's
1: heartbreaking.
0: Of that episode. Yeah, it was – absolutely heartbreaking and i was like oh my god you know and
1: so it was nice to get redemption it, yeah
0: it was nice to give her a happier ending but i do like that they imply that through uh through that time before she meets up with the doctor again that she was trying to do good she won all that money in the lottery ticket that he gave her for her wedding gift
1: mm-hmm.
0: of millions of pounds she gave it off to charity
1: Everything except enough to buy a house, yes, and its so subconsciously, things are still rattling around in there,
0: yeah, and i I liked that idea, and you know so so, for that, that made me very happy, and that was just in the first episode, and then we had Wild Blue Yonder, which everybody was expecting to be all sorts of crazy, and it was it was,
1: but it kind of in a different way,
0: yeah, they were expecting lots of guest stars and stuff like that, I think, and we didn't get that. We kind of got a multiple doctor story in that, in that, in the way you would never expect. And
1: if you want to be technical, every single episode of the sixtieth was a multiple doctor story because you had Doctor Donna.
0: Yeah. You had Doctor
1: versus alien Doctor, different type of alien Doctor, and then you had Doctor Doctor. (laughs) Yes, at
0: the end of uh, the third episode, there. The giggle. The giggle. Um, but I just one thing about Wild Blue Yonder. Outside of like maybe like the Cybermen, I'm really having a tough time thinking when Doctor Who kind of dipped into some body horror the way they did in that episode.
1: <laughs> that was kind of creepy. I'm not going to for-
0: Slightly comical at times, yeah. but weird as hell. And I really liked it. There was a lot of things going on in that thing.
1: Well, you got to appreciate the mavity of the situation. Yes. How long are we going to keep
0: up with mavity, by the way?
1: (laughs) I like the idea that not many people know what the hell we're talking about. It's (laughs) always going to be an inside joke. Kind of just like, your arms are too long.
0: Yes. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, the the big uh, finale of the three-part with Neil Patrick Harris, who is always just wonderful.
1: He was and a scene stealer.
0: Yes. He was a perfect person to step in for Michael Goff as the Toymaker. He played the Toymaker a different way.
1: Deliciously, devilishly evil.
0: hmm I don't know about evil. I would say entirely amoral. Except for the fact he, he will play the game. He
1: abides by, by a set rules of rules. Set. Yeah. He does have a a code. But uh, within that code, man, he can be chaotic in a way that I haven't seen since John Sim played the Master. Yeah, he that, had that vibe, but a little and more he, fun. And he
0: also got you know a musical number, uh, as <laughs> which the was
1: has been living rent free in my head since that night. I'm Every sure. now and then, the, I'm like, sure I got to play the song just to get it out.
0: <laughs> but yeah, it's it's yeah. So. And seeing uh, yeah. Donna's
1: growth back is amazing. Um, there's a there's a wonderful moment where she's approached by the uni- uh, Unified Intelligence Task Force about joining them, and uh, Donna says to their leader Kate Lethbridge Stewart, uh, "What's it entail?" It's like uh, sixty thousand a year and uh, two weeks pay or something, or two weeks paid leave. And you went- she goes, "Okay." Um, one hundred and twenty and five paid, uh, five paid weeks, and <laughs> without without skipping a beat, Kate goes done and walks out, and Donna's left with her mouth gaping open, like, <laughs> I did that, <laughs> and it worked.
0: I honestly, if Kate Lethbridge Stewart, beloved daughter of the Brigadier mm. from the old series, um, if she's running unit and she m- meets up with an a former companion of the Doctor, the smartest thing she can do is put them on the payroll immediately. Oh,
1: God, yes. Because
0: they all have amazing experiences. And she did it, you know, previously with Mel. It was mm-hmm. great to see um, Mel there. I was just like, oh, my gosh. And here's what's funny.
1: Martha was but- a member unit at one point. Mm-hmm. She didn't have a great uh, great experience with it, but uh, that was before Kate.
0: True. But, yeah. You know, for the ye- for the two years that Bonnie Langford was on the show playing Mel, who was a allegedly a computer expert, um, we never once saw her do anything with computers, and that's you know when she was a companion of Colin Baker and then Sylvester McCoy, and it was great. I was like, oh, she's actually doing computer stuff like we've been told she can do. <laughs> awesome, um, and I think you know it was nice. She she kind of helped supply a link to the old series which on your 60th anniversary you're gonna want mm-hmm. it made sense within the story um i believe we're gonna be seeing her again in the season coming up that starts i think in april or may
1: we've also been seeing other companions uh in previous episodes popping up at UNIT, such as um ace and joe grant mm-hmm. uh do you think, this is just for fun, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it's not a rumor, don't take it to heart, do you think possibly in the future we could get a unit TV show? I would love a unit TV show.
0: Have some of the companions on. Uh, Katie Manning back as Joe. Um, uh, I think, um, uh, oh, jeepers, um, uh, Janet Fielding, who played Tegan. Um, Also was in the uh, Tales of the Tardis thing that they did that was strictly for uh, British viewers but made its way onto YouTube in about four minutes after it premiered. (laughs) So I was able to watch all of those. She showed up and she was just wonderful. It was so delightful to see her. Um,
1: I was actually kind of – there was one moment that I got really pissed off about in our 60th anniversary. What was that? we got mention of rose we had donna back we had mention of amy and clara and bill
0: Mm -hmm.
1: we didn't really delve into a lot of jody whitaker's stuff and that's okay um i mean
0: they mentioned the flux they mentioned the flux yeah Mm -hmm.
1: um never any mention of martha why does martha always get the fuzzy end of the lollipop (laughs)
0: <laughs> i don't know that's that is a shame that did kind of stand out also mickey i mean she's all running off with mickey right now running around the world but, Mar- stuff, but yeah.
1: i would say out of the two martha is definitely more important as the companion than yes. mickey was even though yes sorry mickey had a greater arc mm-hmm.
0: it's it's funny too because i think we saw
1: and no love for jack
0: <laughs> I had to think there for a second. Oh, that jerk!
1: Wow. <laughs> Whew. Ouch.
0: He went on one trip. He doesn't count as a companion.
1: He's he, not just one trip, but he's still out there. He's popped oh. up every now. and Oh, okay. Then. Wait,
0: no, Jack. Sorry, I was thinking of what's. I, I was thinking of Adam.
1: Oh, no one likes Adam.
0: Adam's a jerk. He's yeah. A Jack Harkness. Jerk. Um We talk about
1: Jack Harkness.
0: Y- usually you say Captain Jack. That's why I was like, "Jack, wait." Um
1: Yeah, I'm talking Captain Beefcake over here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh boy. No. Um
1: <laughs> I mean Torchwood was under
0: his command, yeah. Yeah. I I would love to know what Gwen and Owen are up to with their their daughter mm-hmm. who's probably Prob- yeah, close to um, Rose uh, close Noble's to age. Rose Noble's age, yeah. Good Lord, can you see them together?
1: <laughs> Whoa. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Going, okay, our parents are off to save the universe. What do you want to do? Xbox? Oh,
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> well, there's a party down the road.
0: <laughs> actually, I was very interested in the fact that um, Rose Noble is a trans character.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And obviously that upset idiots who felt that a trans character in a TV show about an alien <laughs> who frequently changes their face and sometimes their sex would have be a trans character in that show.
1: That is, <laughs> honest, that's really funny to me. Because yeah, if you want to talk about the biggest advocate for trans rights, it's definitely the doctor. He doesn't really see gender. He no. himself changes. Uh, the I love in the wonderful children need special that we got prior to the 60th anniversary the first thing that david Tennant says when he opens up the doors oh hello sorry about 20 minutes ago was i was this really brilliant woman still calibrating <laughs> <laughs> well
0: what's interesting is um rose's grandmother Mm. Is having still having a little trouble with with remembering the right uh, terminology, you know, saying remembering to use the right pronouns and stuff. But she cares, and she's asking, she and she checks in with know. Donna. She's like, "Am I doing this right?" Because I want to be doing this right, and I think that's very important. It's very empowering, and I have a question. Mm. When we saw some regeneration energy flying around at the end and it was shared between Rose and Donna. Mm-hmm. Do you think
1: it made her?
0: It fully transitioned her into a woman? Possibly. Okay. I think so. I, I had that thought at one point afterwards. I was like, oh, hmm, I like that idea. I don't know if they'll ever touch on it or not. I kind of don't care if they don't touch they, on there it There was not, one or particular
1: line where she, I think she said, I am finally me.
0: And oh, I think okay. that
1: was their way of maybe nodding to it.
0: Okay. I would have to go back and watch that again then, I guess.
1: Yeah. There was one line. I, I can't remember verbatim what was said, but it was something along the lines of, it was either I'm finally me or I I am the most me I have ever felt or something like yeah. that. It was along okay. those lines. Um, well, that's good then. But I, I, I really like that because originally Doctor Who didn't start off as like – an alien who was going around battling monsters. It was supposed to be in a historical information yeah. show and created by Verity Lambert and the BBC. and then it kind of evolved from there. yeah. so the idea that they're still trying to teach lessons along mm-hmm. the way while still delivering a damn good entertaining story. The, I would say it's, it's in Doctor line with who, their over message. The
0: years basically because of the idea of equality. The doctors' um, cha- mutability and things like that—that that this show has gathered a—I don't want to say it's like over fifty percent or predominantly, or I don't want to put a percentage on it, but it, there is a very visible um, gay slash queer audience for this show.
1: Not surprised. And
0: when you look at the history of fandom, there are a lot of you know people in you know high-profile fans who you Know, are gay and are out about it, and yeah, like you said, I'm not surprised about it at all. Well, I'm not when, just talking about those to kind of messages, realize but I just, it, yeah, yeah. Once I started to realize it, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense to me.
1: One of my favorite moments on Doctor Who, um, interesting timing of when the episode was released because obviously these things are shot months and months and months in advance, mm-hmm. um, but. The Doctor's War speech done by Peter Capaldi, which is, for me, one of the greatest speeches ever on Doctor Who. It's about 10 minutes long. He's (laughs) trying to stop uh, two sides from absolutely annihilating each other. And he says, you think you know what war is? You know, when are you going to just learn that you have to just sit down and talk? You're all the same. You, No matter how right you feel, when you fire that first shot, you have no idea who's going to die. It is a fantastic just piece of art. And um, interestingly enough, coincided on its release date with the Paris bombings. Yes. So it was all of a sudden this tragedy was echoing around the world. And interestingly enough, there was it felt like there was a live response in order to help people to cope mm-hmm. what what was going on.
0: And we, we often find T V shows that try to be more than just flat out entertainment, that try to sometimes have messages uh and thematic weight to them. We turn to them at times because They're they do help a us. Yeah, because we're like, oh, They're telling us we get better. Original Star Trek is like that. Um, And especially like during the Vietnam War and the race riots of the late 60s and the civil rights movement and everything else, you know, to just turn on a show and see a multinational crew, uh, you know, all officers, you know, technically remember Ohura was the fourth in command. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that meant a lot to a lot of people. You see this again, you know, all the time in Doctor Who, with fans who turn to that show and go, there is a message that kindness and intelligence and emotional intelligence will always prevail. And that can be very comforting.
1: The Doctor, whilst not being afraid to stand up and fight, he's always fighting for the belief in... Humanity and in hope and that we as a species will evolve and will always want to be better than where we came from. Mm -hmm. And that is a message that we should always take forward. Oh, yes. To be dutiful in that. And speaking of duty...
0: Ah, okay. <laughs> Eventually, at last. Because we, we, literally in the last five, six minutes, there was like three times I thought, uh, okay, she's ramping up to go to the crown now. But this is for real. This
1: is for real. No, this is for real. <laughs>
0: this is the for real we're going to the crown now.
1: But we are also talking <laughs> about characters who are willing to stand up for their beliefs, whether mm-hmm. that be the belief in humanity or the belief in perseverance of tradition. yes.
0: And that lets us to The Crown.
1: Yes, the wonderful Netflix TV show that has lasted for the past six years sur- uh, surrounding the royal family from 1952, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Until, the British royal family. The yes, name. the British royal family from 1952, uh, I believe, until almost
0: 2004. 2004, 2005, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Um, yeah, and it's an amazing show. And uh, there are a lot of things I like about it. There are some things, and I've been kind of mentioning these as we go, as I've been going along through it, that I had troubles with. You and had trouble I,
1: with writing. I
0: I don't say troubles as in the IRA and uh, what happened Ooh. in Ireland.
1: Either um, you mean what happened something. to Dickie? Yeah. <laughs> that, that that actually. Lord Mountbatten. Well okay.
0: Well, first that of all, that was a
1: rough scene to see. I think. Um, I liked how they did it, eh?
0: and I thought that was really well done. Um, there, well, first off, a couple of observations. Yes. Avalanches are a big thing on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Two avalanches, <laughs> if if it weren't based on actual events that happened both times.
1: You'd be like, oh, come on.
0: I would be like, that's just lazy. <laughs> that's just you're recycling ideas. You're out of ideas. Or whatever, but then you Google, but yeah, I, I and as somebody who you were fact
1: checking everything, weren't not you Not fact
0: checking, but googling <laughs> uh, certain things um, because as I've gotten older, I've gotten a little bit more of a interest in history because I've started to you know understand the arc of history, mm-hmm. which I don't think you really get to understand until you're like in your mid thirties at least. Ouch! When you get, I'm, no, it's just <laughs> the fact that you don't get to see how things change until you're like oh yeah, cable was 13 channels and now there's the internet and streaming. You know, it, once you really see like a kind of an arc of progress over okay. 25, you know, a quarter of a century, basically, because you're not paying attention to shit until you're at least 10 years old or so. Really. Okay, you may be the what? outlier on that. You're looking at me like, what do you mean?
1: Well, I was actually, I, as you were mentioning all of that, my first My first instinct was I went to the history of the phone. And I remember using, um, like landline phones at home, like rotary. Mm -hmm. And then I went to press button. And then years later, um, I was cordless. cordless. Then I had my first flip phone. Actually, I got my first flip phone when I was 14, which was a little late. Everyone by then had already had the first iPhone, Mm -hmm. um, which I w- I didn't join the smartphone community until I was about 18. here I am 28 mm-hmm. yes I, I've joined the 21st century ladies Thank and you. gentlemen oh. <laughs> <Come>. <laughs> uh, but but interestingly enough maybe because mm-hmm. retro is back in Y2k is everywhere I'm starting to see certain things popping up like, the Motorola Razor is back and everyone wants one. And I was like, no, no one liked that thing back the then. It just looked around. iconic. That's yeah. all. Well, it was a pain I in mean, the ass. To be fair, I've
0: seen apps that display on your smartphone screen a rotary dial. And that's how you dial. <laughs> yes, I've seen those apps. But, but what, but,
1: what but, I'm trying to say is I understand the arc of history okay. when you mention it.
0: Yeah. Um, another thing. And I know this made you laugh when I said it. When they put a date on the screen at the beginning, <laughs> you know something bad's about to go down.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: and that's mostly because they're, they're prepping British viewers.
1: Mm-hmm. For specific historical better, events.
0: Yeah, yeah, like the um, anti-cyclone over London or um, – try-
1: The avalanche, the avalanche. Uh, mudslide that –
0: the, from the coal out. tip yeah. that you know hit that school and killed all those children
1: and half of the town as well yeah.
0: and the only time it's it's for a good reason is july 1969 and the moon, moon landing. landing yes although i was like wait a minute are they gonna kill the astronauts in this i don't oh know my God. <laughs> i was kind of so self uh, conditioned that uh if i see a date it's not gonna be a good thing um and I like that at the end of certain episodes, they do give you a card, and you get this more towards the latter seasons, I think, a title card at the end before the credits to say, so-and-so went on to do this and died in 1979. As they
1: wrap up, like I, it's usually coincides with uh, the wrap-up of a particular character arc. Like, for example... Mm-hmm pete townsend who was the love of the life of princess I'm margaret Sorry.
0: i every time that somebody said pete townsend's name <laughs> I, i'm an
1: musician. old school
0: who fan i just like
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> you know, windmilling away on a guitar
1: <laughs> timothy dalton was absolutely fantastic as in the that older episode. version of him yeah oh my god he hit all the marks of pulling my heartstrings Mm -hmm. broke me into a thousand pieces
0: we need to be seeing him doing more stuff because when he goes we're gonna be sorry he didn't do more
1: oh god no matter how much he does i've been screaming that for the past 10 years since he did penny dreadful Mm -hmm. that was for me one of the greatest pieces of work that he has ever done for the screen big or small
0: and even something like um you know Edgar Wright finding that he has a talent for comedy <laughs> in Hot Buzz, yeah.
1: That <laughs> Dude, the creepiness of him is <laughs> oh what my makes God, it. He's so good. He just ate that up.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So okay. So yeah, we do get a lot of great British actors in this show. In fact, we do an entire change of cast three times, John, and it works.
1: And even some of the people who show up in like very very small bit roles, mm-hmm. as like random advisors and stuff. Uh, Jonathan Hyde Pierce, who is famous for being Mr. Ishmael in James Cameron's Titanic, mm-hmm. shows up as um, like a very, very just small advisory role in like the last two episodes while the Queen is doing Operation London Bridge planning. Yes, and I'm sitting there going, "Holy shit!" <laughs> just
0: yeah, there. Um, but but for all its nods towards the actual history mm-hmm. um we should remember this is not history Mm-mm. this it may give you some broad impressions of what happened
1: but it's it's, it's but a fictional
0: should, story yeah because and, and within there are real times, events yeah, and there are times when they conflate things and we we see it all the time in biopics anyways yeah so You have to remember to go into this with that mindset. Because, for example, the one thing that I remember standing out to me, when Margaret Thatcher's son was lost Mm -hmm. in the road rally race in Africa, that did not coincide with with the the, Falcons' Falcons war. No. But this show kind of made the argument that she was distracted by that. And the Fal- and the Falklands was starting to get a little out of hand, and that's why they had to send the army in. And I was like, that's not quite right, and I don't think that's fair to Margaret Thatcher. And this might be the only time that I'm saying that's not fair to Margaret Thatcher <laughs> because she was a terrible, terrible person. And you could see that with a lot of her very dismissive uh, views about anybody who wasn't upper class and white. Um there was there was one or two moments where she's talking to to the queen and I thought the queen was going to be like you racist bitch because she was awful and that's pretty much I mean know, her she's called persona. the iron lady
1: for a reason mm. but I think what the show tries to do in that episode drama or not is slightly humanize someone who is a terrible person historically because if you cannot feel anything for this character mm-hmm. at all, but they're playing a large part of your show mm-hmm. because they have to, yeah. well, then you're you're going to have people going, I love Jillian Anderson. I she's think she's fantastic. a fantastic actress.
0: She did a great job in that role in making me hate her. <laughs> Margaret that- well okay I already hated Margaret Thatcher but it makes me and you're hate coming that in version. in a bi- yeah
1: you're coming in in a biased standpoint mm-hmm. to begin with and then she gives you even more of that so if that is the case no matter how good the actress is it's like l- watching Umbridge you just want to skip past every scene that she is in on screen that's not good television mm-hmm. that's not good movie
0: no, but but she made it engaging, though.
1: Exactly. By mm-hmm. also trying to bring those yeah. moments of con- inner conflict, of the idea of I am a woman in the most powerful position in England, whilst also still trying to be a wife and a mother. Yeah. yeah. Um, it makes for great w-
0: television. It makes for great television. Sometimes, though, when they're using historical events as a catalyst – to reveal things about the historical personages they're, you know, examining, they kind of don't give us a revel, a resolution to the actual historical incident. Mm-hmm. Like in the, yeah, I guess it was last season with um the fire at Windsor Castle. Yeah. There's a fire. The Queen feels sad because some things were lost. And we never, they don't mention Windsor Castle again. No one even has a passing line of like, oh, I hear the restoration of Windsor is going along great. Yeah, thanks for asking. You know, nothing like that. And so it stands out in a in a way that we're not accustomed to in this era of, I don't want to say serialized or continuity-heavy storytelling. Uh, you would get you know, little follow-ups like that an episode or two down the line in something else.
1: I kind of like that, though. Um, And the reason why is not only you're having such a great passage of time between these episodes sometimes you're you're going an entire you do
0: get you do get some very awkward exposition lines usually at the beginning of a season of like oh yes that's right he was away for 10 years and he just got back oh thank you (laughs) You know, it's was like one person having to tell the other person you know what the audience needs to know well and sometimes it's not Handled as adroitly as it could be.
1: A season encapsulates almost a full decade. Yes. Um. So you don't always have time to kind of fill in those gaps when mm-hmm. you're jumping maybe three years yeah. or a year in each episode or something like that. Um. But I also kind of like that because we see a changing world. We see how it's affecting the queen. Mm-hmm. But she still has to be above it all. Yeah, so even all- if she is sad mm-hmm. in the beginning, with oh Windsor Castle, this happened to Windsor Windsor Castle, it affects her, and then she immediately has to switch off and go, "What's next?"
0: Yeah, which is not emotionally healthy. It's not. And, I mean, it, we've seen and we how see emotionally it, how it affected the-, the entire family. In a way, and this is a thought I was having while watching it was like, is this show somewhat, maybe even passively aggressively, arguing against the idea of monarchy? Because it basically is wrecking this family and in, in so many ways and, and damaging these people. And, you know, people die because of choices and things that happen within that family. Because of they have certain duties, they have certain responsibilities, they have certain expectations that, frankly, might be a little too high in terms of expectations for people to be able to fully fulfill.
1: Well, I think there also has an argument to be made of the generational gaps and the idea of how they connect to the world
0: Differently. Differently, yeah. Yeah.
1: Because you can obviously see that Margaret and the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh and a lot of that old, old guard are raised with the idea that duty comes first. Your duty to your country, your duty to each other, your duty to the institution. Whereas everyone else, as they are growing up, their duty is their family – their love, their emotions, and the people. So they start to connect closer to the people while the older Mm -hmm. guard kind of keep their distance because they don't see themselves as people. They see themselves as figureheads of a greater being.
0: And I I think that that's kind of sad in a way, though, because you have a duty to yourself to ensure your own health and happiness. And that oftentimes seem to be very much at odds and in conflict with duty to crown and country mm-hmm. and what's expected of them. And I think that's an interesting dynamic. And there are times when there are, t- well, there are times when we see Elizabeth kind of happy or she makes a concession towards something or she seems to be, well, she's kind of fine with Diana now. And then suddenly the next episode, she's like, Ugh, Diana. And, you know, so it feels like she kind of waffled back and forth you know, I'm, I'm not saying that it's Diana was seen as approachable
1: by the people oh, and yeah, I think that yeah. hurt, hurt I I think that hurt the queen's image. Well, oh, yeah. And it hurt Charles's image and mm. it hurt everyone else because they appear so cold in comparison.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, she in comparison made them look terrible. That's not her fault, though.
1: No, absolutely not. But that is also a a generational thing. That's a personality thing Mm -hmm. as well. She... Diana was at odds because it seems, uh, from the aspect of how it's portrayed on the show, Mm -hmm. that she thought the best way that she could serve the crown and serve the family, serve the people, is by being closer to the people. Yeah. To actually... I'm not afraid to walk into the crowd. And I think that also helps that she kind of, you know, she was babysitting and everything when Charles, um, like she was working little odd jobs and such. Like, whilst raised in a wealthy family, she also mm-hmm. lived a normal life outside of it before marrying Charles. Yeah,
0: and, and none of those kids can grow up with a normal upbringing because – yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Just by nature, they're in that spotlight. So they're running the risk of being damaged, you know, right from the start. As which we see you with see Harry
1: in, later on in the final season.
0: Yeah. Or you see when any of them go to, you know, school yeah, and college, they're, you know, constantly picked on and, you know, smacked in the back of the head and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, for, you know, both Charles and William and Harry, mm-hmm. you know, had to put up with that kind of abuse just by nature of who they are. Um, so, there's no way for them to kind of have any kind of anonymity to get to experience the things we see Kate and Diana um, grow up with. Um, would have been interesting to see uh, Sarah Ferguson in that mix as well. Mm. Um, just didn't have time f- to squeeze that into the into the series unfortunately. Uh, I would have liked to see that
1: was Andrew, right? Uh, yeah, that's probably why
0: yeah, I mean he's he's the spare uh at that point. He was, what, second or third in line. But considering
1: his uh, recent events... Oh, yes. They Um, probably didn't want to have to deal with his storyline any more than they absolutely had to. That's
0: a possibility, too. Which is
1: why I love that you get the one episode um, where the queen has to confront the idea that it is possible to have a favorite child, even though... (laughs) parents say they don't and so she spends time with each and every single one of her kids to figure out okay do i have a favorite child yeah i do
0: (laughs) yes um okay well i was gonna ask this anyway but this (laughs) seems like a perfectly good time do you have a favorite royal you would based on how they're portrayed on the show not in real life do you have a favorite royal you think would be an interesting person to sit down and hang out with, have a beer and pizza with. You, ma-
1: you mean outside of Diana, because that was the obvious choice?
0: Yeah. Diana seems to be obvious, but yeah.
1: Margaret. Margaret, really? I think she's very interesting. Uh, kind of in the way that we also have, like, Harry.
0: Yeah, it, Harry is very much his aunt.
1: <laughs> both are are kind of the spare. great aunt, excuse me. Yeah, they are the spare in the relationship, uh, which means they kind of are all... As the Queen says in one of her last lines of the show, the institution protects, number one, it doesn't always look after, number two. Mm -hmm. They need more care. Yes. Which I I thought that was a brilliant line, by the way. But Margaret, I feel she understands the idea to duty, to Queen, to country, Mm -hmm. history, the amount of history that she has gone through. But also I think there's... She also has a life to her that keeps her somewhat in touch with the world.
0: Yes, it, in that manner, I'm wondering: was she kind of a conduit of, for lack of a better word, reality t- of to, outside the palace to walls the, to the to the old guard, to Elizabeth. yeah. yeah. So they kind of be like, hey, by the way, there's this new band called the Beatles. Uh, You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) Well,
1: I think that is the case because uh, as we see in the show, she's the one who goes to the queen is like, look, don't make Charles marry her. Don't make Charles marry Diana. It's a recipe fucking disaster. Mm -hmm. So we see her approaching with an outside perspective on whether or not things are the right thing to do. Now, they don't always listen.
0: <laughs> no, nope. but,
1: but she can see it and yeah. she can voice least, it where at others least we can't. See that
0: kind of as a function in the show. Again, always trying to make sure we're talking of the function within the show. I'm not only the reality of the show.
1: I am yes. always talking only the function within the show. Okay,
0: um, for our viewers. Actually, I thought Princess Anne seemed to be like the only one who had a really good head on her shoulders. <laughs>
1: I would agree with you, yeah, Margaret. She, I would say is pretty close. She, Margaret also has a sense of morality, as we see when she starts finding out about their cousins who were mentally ill mm-hmm. and locked away. Well,
0: she wasn't involved with that discovery at all. That's that was that portion. I know of that she was, but we said fictional. we're only talking I know, I know, I know. the
1: function within see, the show. Yeah,
0: okay. So we're my history interest is like kind of.
1: Kicking Pumping in. up
0: against, uh, But you plot said, mechanics here. but you
1: said not yep. no, real no, no, no. royals. You're right. You're right. You're right. The royals of the You're show. Right. You're right. So, yeah, I would go, I would go Margaret. Um, Anne is fun, but I think Anne can also be a little too stuffy.
0: I don't think she's stuffy. I think she's honest. And sometimes she's the one who's bluntly who gives, honest. She gives too some much Tom. Brutally honest stuff that I think sometimes, well, I think sometimes you have to be blunt to batter down the,
1: the hatches, the, yeah.
0: The walls that they put up.
1: I would agree with you. I I felt really bad for Charles in the first couple of seasons, mm-hmm. or the first season we see him in, which is season three, played by the fantastic Josh O'Connor. Which, by the way, fantastic! Holy shit, season four is the best season of this show.
0: Which is also the most fictionalized. I it is think. the most
1: fictionalized, but, but it is. But I the think that's best. why it works
0: the best. It's not. It's understanding its idea as drama mm-hmm. and I think five and six are kind of five and six are also walking the, the a line, very thin line a very thin line of like didn't five come out I mean whether they were producing five Elizabeth was still alive then she passed and the show was scheduled to drop um like what six weeks
1: oh uh, no something
0: like that after
1: no 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 uh season five I think dropped season 5 definitely dropped long before her death. So, um
0: Okay, maybe I'm according con- confusing to, a plot lo- uh a timeline there. According
1: but- to my nifty little uh Graham Norton video from the other night, Imelda Staunton was on promoting the newest season of The Crown, and she said she was on set when um when that happened, when the uh, when the queen died. And she was off She was actually scheduled off From the show For the next 10 days Which turned out to be The 10 days of mourning In England Oh wow So She Kind of Locked herself away And was Mentally dealing With all of that Mm -hmm. She watched She watched the funeral And then the next day Had to go back to work And it sent everyone Into a shock When she walked on Set In the outfit imagine so
0: i can't i can't underst i can't begin to uh kind of understand all of that process especially you know playing a real personage and then that person dying and then i i would think if you didn't have it already you you suddenly get a very large sense of responsibility about
1: that oh i would too I, honest i i'm not even sure how i would handle it as as an actor as a as a performer um that would definitely fuck up my head. Um, what was your favorite set of actors? As you have as you have stated, uh, we do a time shift and we do a cast change every two years. It's
0: it's hard because I I I really liked Matt Smith's Philip, mm-hmm. um, Olivia Coleman's Elizabeth. I think is probably the best and when she's with um
1: Tobias Menzies?
0: No. Um Margaret. Uh, uh Helena Bonham Re- Helena Bonham Yes, thank you. Uh when they're together, they sometimes have a little bit of lightness to their relationship which I I really enjoyed. I I said for the for that episode of mm-hmm. you know, discovering about the uh cousins with the developmental issues when the two go off to find the peerage books, yeah. in the library, and one, you know,
1: it's actually kind of adorable. Hel-
0: yeah, it's, it's cute. Helena Bonacarter is up there, and she has, you know, she pulls like one of these heavy books down, and she jokingly goes, "Catch!" You know, and <laughs> stuff. it was it was just like a fun, silly moment. And in that moment, I was like, I want to see these two actresses playing <laughs> um, like matronly women living out in like the countryside somewhere, solving mysteries. I just want the, like these two like stumble into mysteries once a week and they figure out you know who murdered you know Farmer Brown or whatever. I, it they would have a great chemistry. It, I think it would be a fun show to do. <laughs> Somebody call the BBC. I've got a pitch. Uh-
1: <laughs> uh, with me, Vanessa Kirby as Margaret. Mm-hmm. Uh, Olivia Coleman as uh, Queen Elizabeth. I really think Jonathan Price for me is the best oh, Duke of Edinburgh. Jonathan
0: Price is just freaking wonderful. Yeah. and everything. I've been a fan of his since I first saw him in Brazil, <laughs> like back in the eighties. I was like, "Who's this guy? He's awesome!" And uh,
1: I I got to give it to. I love Elizabeth Debicki and uh, mm-hmm. Dominic West is he, he's not bad. He, he's not what I would have gone with. But um, I have to give it to Josh O'Connor and Emma Corrin as Charles and Diana. Uh, they the definitely. Oh God, yeah. yeah, they were just, just See, too my, good to be ignored.
0: My problem with Dominic, this is this is another it's thing. Chill. Dominic West is he's good in the role, but visually, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: he's a bit of a jar.
1: He doesn't he's, quite look he, like Charles. Yeah, he, he he's they, the one who he, doesn't look like him the they most. He didn't do
0: anything with his ears. <laughs>
1: Can we talk? Sp- it, speaking but, of but, but characters, when, when oh you see God. like
0: Elizabeth, when they recast mm-hmm. and recast, it feels very. It works. It, it works. It works very really well. There are some characters that they do great with the casting on. All of the Elizabeth and um and the um uh, Margaret Thatcher, and then then you get some things that are just like, did you just grab somebody off the street? Like I'm sorry, <laughs> JFK.
1: Um, Michael C. Hall, don't want be nice. He's fine. He's a good
0: actor, but, but he doesn't look like Kennedy. look
1: like Kennedy. And no.
0: his accent wasn't there.
1: Uh, their Jackie, Jackie though was
0: their Jackie was a lot be- better yeah. on that. And that uh, to map. be
1: honest, I'm okay with that and, um, because Jackie is the more important character mm-hmm. in that and, episode. And
0: Johnson wasn't that great either,
1: to be honest. Yeah,
0: um, um, but oh, and oh, Winston Churchill. I was just gonna say, my man, John Lithgow.
1: He. Sorry, Gary Oldman, I love you, but uh, I think John Lithgow out-Churchilled you.
0: Oh, very much. He got more room to play, though, as Churchill to add a lot more layers and A lot more
1: time. Yeah, so
0: again, it's it's maybe not that fair a comparison. Um, Oh, and speaking of Churchill, though, that does bring me up to one of the last two things that kind of got under my skin a little bit about if you see a common person, and we spend more than 15 or 20 seconds with them. <laughs> oh. We get to know them. We get to, oh, this is a wonderful oh. person. They have a life. They have dreams. They have ambitions. We've learned a little bit about them. Oh, they're dead. They they are on yeah. the chopping block. And that started with... um, The, the, the secretary se- in the fog? The secretary uh, that Churchill had during the anti-cyclone. And, you know, she disappeared in the fog and, you know, died, you know, from the lung ailments because of that. And... I recognize that as – I don't want to call that character a plot device, but it does have a specific plot function.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, It is good for emotional tugging of the heartstrings.
1: Um, I think it also –
0: Joss Whedon probably was very proud when he saw it happen over and over (laughs) and over again, going, I did that. Um,
1: I'm okay with it because – It shows that these people have a a duty and a responsibility to those that they let down. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And they have to carry that with them. Mm -hmm. But I would have liked to have seen maybe like some characters who were, for lack of a better term, you know, downstairs and not upstairs. Where.
1: Well, this isn't Downton Abbey, honey. I
0: know, but that's. (laughs) Or
1: Victoria.
0: I'm I'm saying uh, to throw some sharp relief onto the big decisions and the big crises that they're Mm -hmm. facing, I think would have been an interesting way to do that. Again, maybe I'm reviewing the show for what I would like out of, out of it instead of what it is, which is unfair. But one thing that it does do every now and then it starts off with a shocking scene. And then we go three months earlier and um, it's good for that, trope at least once a season if not twice a season we get you know something happening and then we go back for all the setup and trust the audience especially after the first or second season once it became very popular trust us to be able to start off slow you don't have to do the big bang and then you know to catch us and then reel us in with the backstory of all of that for the next 30 40 minutes you know start off small and let us, you know, d- build up to that. Is you know is what I'm saying.
1: When you have a when you have a downtime episode, because it's Netflix and you're not being given a like next time on trailers or whatever, um, hmm. it is a slow building show. After a while, it be- does become a case of okay, I, I hit this one, and I'm exhausted. Maybe I'll come back to it in a couple of days later and oh we have now skipped the credits. We're heading into the next episode. I don't know if I wanna keep going. I'm really tired. I got things I gotta do and oh wait, what just happened there? I gotta I gotta find out what happened. Okay, happens. so
0: you're saying doing that over and over is, is more a
1: a case for, to keep people watching.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's a factor of the binge watching mod. Yes. Yeah. So would you then say maybe netflix should have dropped it week by week by week
1: netflix doesn't drop know, any they do- show well, week by week
0: they they've done it a couple of times but generally not really not really so they'll
1: they'll drop half seasons mm-hmm. um w- with the exception of like the last season of stranger things i think the last couple episodes um were spaced out a little more mm-hmm. but overall no, it's it's either you're getting half a season or you're getting the whole season, and yeah. then it's well, on but, you as as the viewer to
0: Yeah, but that's – like I said, that's an issue with the binge model mm-hmm. and whether that's good for Netflix or not in terms of engagement in short term versus, well, everybody talked about the thing that dropped on Friday until Tuesday as opposed to, hey, that show that Netflix keeps giving us one, one week every week for ten weeks that everybody talks about – for that whole week yeah there's that's that's a bigger question than just outside of the crown involved so
1: but it, it works for yeah. them they haven't seemed to have an issue with viewership on this uh, not. No. but mm-hmm. at the exact same yeah. time i understand the need to constantly keep people involved mm-hmm. i want to really quickly give uh credit where credit's due okay I believe that this is the first time majorly we've seen any sort of portrayal of um, William, Harry, and Kate on screen. uh, Okay, yeah. In terms of being a bigger role that is focused Mm on. The actors don't really have any um, credits to their name. They are all newcomers. Um, Specifically, Ed McVeigh, who plays... uh, Prince William, mm-hmm. from the age of about eighteen all the way through his mid twenties yeah, holy crap He's really these good. kids are gonna hit He's the Spratosphere um, Spratosphere? stratosphere did,
0: did they do um just based on the time frame in season six, mm. did we have a different actor playing Harry for the first couple of episodes mm. because it felt like there was a huge growth spurt between episode four and five it felt like <laughs> I, I can't I remember. Got to check think. that again. It I don't just remember. Just popped into my head now. So
1: well, I I watched season four last month, and I did notice no, season
0: six. I'm talking about though between uh, episode four and five.
1: That's what I oh, meant. I'm sorry. Season okay. six, they dropped uh, the first part, so all the way up to episode four last month, and I know that they had different actors switch playing William. Um, I don't. Re- I think they may have had uh, different actors playing Harry as well, uh, because you're you're skipping about four or five years. Mm-hmm. Kudos to the casting director who casted William. By the way, there were a couple times I was looking at, at this guy going, "Holy crap!" It's kind of scary, in a, in yeah. a, in a good way. Um, and he he does give a fantastic performance. I would say he's the standout kind of as Emma Corrin was from season four. Um, we would not have her doing Deadpool or Lady <laughs> Charlie's Lover or anything else that she has done since if it was not for her performance as Diana. And uh, keep an eye on this kid. I think we're going to see great things from him over the years. One yeah. last thing I want to mention before okay. we sign off. Okay. The final scene of the show
0: that's an amazing shot uh, the
1: whole scene from jonathan price's last monologue all the way through mm-hmm. when you want to think about it considering emma stanton said that she was shooting when the queen Imagine. died Mil- yeah emilda stanton sorry
0: didn't mean to correct you <laughs> now you're but, fine okay
1: um that's okay. I didn't correct you earlier when you said "silly" instead of "killian," but <laughs> I was going to let it slide. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> but uh, I—that means that they didn't have this as their ending. It means they had to rewrite a whole new ending as a send-off.
0: Yeah, that that had to have been tricky to kind of figure out. And, you know, they did...
1: Probably a whole new last episode because that all has to deal with Operation London Bridge.
0: Yeah, they did receive a lot of criticism about, you know, hey, maybe not. No, not do that. Yeah, so I understand.
1: Um, But I think it's handled mm -hmm. extremely respectfully.
0: My final note is, from a production standpoint, I would love to know what their visual effects budget was. Because there had to have been a lot of digital compositions to place them in specific places you obviously they weren't filming at buckingham palace no. but you have the view of outside of the palace the gates mm-hmm. and the fountain beyond and everything else so they had to have probably just built like the 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 drive the gates, the wall, and then dropped a huge ass green screen, <laughs> and just so they could drop in, you know stuff beyond. And there was a lot of times I was like, "Is this a set? If so, it's amazing. Is this some other castle or you know, large home mansion somewhere they're filming in? Cool. Where are they shooting some of this stuff, and what is real and what is digital? And I couldn't figure it out. and I, I have to you know doff my hat to them for that. Um, because, well, you know, it's, the show is very good at immersing yourself into it. I think there's one or two shots like when they were in New York. I was like, yeah. but... Uh, <laughs>
1: well, I remember when the first season was announced. I can't particularly remember what the actual number of their production budget was. But it was marketed a lot mm-hmm. um, as the most expensive tv show netflix was doing at that time 6 years ago
0: that's understandable and, and
1: i don't think i'm not quite certain if that's been doffed yet
0: that would be something to look into at some point but i think on that point though
1: like the queen exiting westminster <laughs> we're, we're about r- wrap this up
0: yes exactly the crown all six episodes all six seasons all 60 hours of it are now available <laughs> on Netflix.
1: Remember, you can find us online at bigpicturepod.com. And we are available on iTunes and Google Play. You know the spear. Go uh, go listen to it. Leave us a positive review. It always helps us connect with new listeners, blah, blah, blah.
0: <laughs> you just took half of what I
1: was going to say. Yes, I did. <laughs> Please
0: join us, though,
1: next time
0: as we wrap up 2023. With a look at another show that has just, or another film, excuse me, that's just celebrated its 20th anniversary. We are taking a look at...
1: We're taking a trip to Middle Earth, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs)
0: Return of the King, the final installment of Peter Jackson's monumental trilogy of films adapting J.R.R. Tolkien's landmark. The Lord of the Rings.
1: Man, you make that sound so professional with your pauses, and it's annoying. Jeez, thanks. They know what we're doing. I know. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but so come back and enjoy uh, a great time with us post-Christmas, pre-New Year's, right here on the Big Picture Podcast.
0: She's a killer, queen, got
1: dynamite with a laser beam, to blow your mind.